Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. At the end of the episode, I will play a short story off of Morsels of Mayhem. That story is stuffed. It's a fun story. It's a Thanksgiving story. If you guys did celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you enjoyed yours. I did enjoy mine. We're in Washington, D.C. to visit my niece, uh, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and my wife's uncle came out to celebrate it with us. It's been a good time, largely in part because we trained our ass off. We came in, I think, Saturday night late. We didn't train Sunday. My body was hurting. But then Monday, we went to Compound MMA in... I think that's in Maryland. And it was cool. It was welcoming. We didn't realize that it was a gi class. So we felt a little uncomfortable. It was me, my wife, niece, and daughter. All four of us were wearing no gi 10th planet gear. So, but they were totally cool. They they worked with us. Guys, if they want to, they could take off their tops. So they were very accommodating. So that was cool. And then Tuesday, my wife and I went to Beta Academy. DC. That was pretty incredible. Coach Dan is a beast. He murdered me, but it was just an awesome class. My wife really appreciated it too. Just felt so welcoming. It was a great fit. Love class. Love being able to meet everyone. Everyone was just really, really cool. Then went the next day I took off because it felt like my ribs were broken. I could barely, and I was probably thanks to Coach Dan. No, and me being old and trying to do all this shit, but it was cool. I had fun, fun training. Wednesday, though, yeah, my rib was hurting so bad. Um, every step, every breath. So I didn't train jiu-jitsu, but I did take 17,000 steps that day, if not more. I did a lot of walking. We took my son to the zoo. Very since we, were, we weren't training, we could do that. The zoo was right by us, so we walked over to the zoo, checked all that out. Um, again, I was in a lot of pain, but my wife said I did a very good job of hiding it and being in a good mood. Perhaps that has something to do with cannabis, but, and also just overall attitude, of course. And then for Thanksgiving, my wife and I went to the super secret training that they had. It was just for people that were getting ready for competition. The Nogi World is coming up. Beta has a bunch of people. There are other people in the area that were training for it. So my wife and I were welcome to go to that. That was awesome to be included in that. And then this morning I went back and I went to another open mat at 10 o'clock, 10.30 to 12. And both days, walked home mile and a half in flip-flops. <laughs> I could have taken an Uber, but we, my wife wanted to walk the other day. And this morning, I figured, like, why not? Just train my ass off. Why not walk a mile and a half in flip-flops when it's freezing outside? But it's all good. Been an awesome mood. Uh, last night was the only day that we had to do something touristy. I'm not a big fan of looking at buildings or listening to people talk about them or history. And, yeah, maybe I should i don't know it's just not something that interests me my kids don't really care that much about it either my son he probably got a little bit out of the the whole bus tour we went on but it was a three-hour bus tour it was at seven o'clock at night i was exhausted <sighs> so not my favorite outing but it was good my mother-in-law really wanted us all to go on it so we went on it we had a good time well we made the most of it and uh, yeah so that was done but four days of training jiu-jitsu, that was pretty awesome. And how much better I feel, even though it felt like my rib was busted on Wednesday, rubbing it down with CBD lotion, having my wife massage it, try to loosen it up. 
did the trip and I was able to go back and train for two more days. So thank you again to Compound MMA and Beta Academy. Knock was excellent. Being able to roll with a black belt at that level is super cool. He crushed me. He's so much smaller than me. And uh, yeah, he could do whatever you wanted with me. So always humbling, but yeah, just so, so super cool. If you're on Kindle Unlimited, you can pick up Trying to Stay at Ghostland free. That's free through Monday. And B is for Brother, the short story from Death Fest Confessions by Damon Minx. That one is free till Monday as well. The pre-orders are finally up for Death Fest Confessions. Very excited about the cover. We just got the cover in for the hardcover and the Kindle copy. I think it looks pretty awesome. Wasn't sure how we were going to get everyone's names on there. Couldn't fit them all on the front, but on the back, I have each of the bands, each of the names. I think it's pretty cool. That is now up for pre-order. You can get that at $6.66. That's right. For just $6.66, you get these 15 Tales of Terror. That's pretty awesome. Heavy metal horror anthology. Who doesn't want to read that, right? So you can check that out. Uh, that should release December 24th, Kindle copy. I'm not sure about the hardcover. I am going to try to rush it. Uh, I was just talking to editor Lindsay Smith about it when we might have them ready. So no promises, but we are doing our best. But you can expect the Kindle copy to be out on December 24th. If you could pre-order that, that would be awesome. Tell your friends, share the love. We have the Try Not to Die on slash tag cover being designed. That should be ready pretty soon. And John already gave me his edits back on it. I just sent those to Lindsay this morning. She will work on that. And then we will have a finished book. I'll go over it one more time. John will go over it another time. Lindsay will go over it one more time. The usual type of stuff. But just about fucking finished. So while that has been in the background, I have been working on trying not to die in a dark fairy tale. I am halfway through those death scenes. I'm really enjoying them. Evan and I came up with some really cool ones. I came up with ideas. He made them sicker, funnier, more twisted. Came up with his own. So right now I'm developing those a little bit more. I will be sending as soon as I get back. I'm hoping to have all these finished probably on the plane ride tomorrow. That's like a four-hour plane ride. I might be able to finish them. But if not, it will be pretty soon. So let's say in a week I'll have those done. I'll send them to him and then he will give them back to me, finish that up, get an edit on the whole thing and shit, we got another book. So things are starting to come together. It feels pretty good. I do appreciate all the support. Everyone's saying how much they're enjoying these books to try not to die. So very motivating. So I did do some reading on this trip. I read Puzzle House by Duncan Ralston. Fucking love that book. Uh, I really enjoyed Duncan's writing. That book was pretty awesome. Very, very sick. And I did not expect the ending at all. Super cool ending. So, Duncan, another great job. Also read Robert Essig's This Damned House. It had four novellas in there. Very disturbing. Um, I told my wife, I was like, man, I should not have read the last one for sure. The other three definitely have stayed with me, little bits and pieces. But the fourth one, because it's about a family, because it gets super duper brutal. That one, I'm not going to forget. And that's a sign of a good story, at least for me, a story that you won't be able to forget even if you wanted to. So yeah, excellent job, Robert. I really enjoyed that book. And now I'm reading John Cohn's Everything's Temporary. After that, I'm not sure, but it is hard to read because yeah, I'm usually so caught up with other stuff. Like I had to read Slash Tag. Well, I got to read on Slash Tag and that was like 55,000 words, you know, having to read it two or three times. 
So there's always something being read. It's just lots of times it is not for pleasure. But these two were. So is John's other book. Everything is temporary. I just started it, but really enjoyed it. I know I love the whole book. So guys, since I am on vacation, since I want to finish up these death scenes for Evan so we can get this book out very soon, uh, especially since we already have the cover, I am going to leave you guys with stuffed. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the story. Stick around for next week. I believe we will get back to reading Death Fest. I want to finish that thing up. Maybe pretty soon we'll start putting out some of the Death Fest confession stories. I don't know if I'll read them. Maybe I'll see if the individual authors will read them. That would be way cooler. And then I can share that on here as well. So I will reach out to them, see if we could do that. In the meantime, I'll entertain you somehow. All right, guys. Have a fantastic week, and I will talk to you later. Peace. Stuffed. Everyone equates Thanksgiving with fun times and family. But not me. As kids, we'd love shoveling down favorite foods and delicious desserts, but by the time it was dark, we'd be laid out on the floor in a food coma. Meanwhile, the women would gossip and clean up the kitchen, and the men would hoot and holler at the football teams, tempers flaring with lost bets. That eat-until-you-burst mindset was too hard to shake. And here I am, 40 years later. Having overweight parents didn't help my odds, but it's my dislike of exercise that got me ending up like this. My fat ass stuffed on the couch. To make matters worse, my posture is terrible. Every day I sink a little deeper into the sofa. My shoulders slumping forward, my man boobs resting on top of my bulging belly. Man, those were so embarrassing. Especially in high school. But... Sandra said they didn't bother her. None of me did. But that was also when she was 50 pounds heavier and still believed we were both just big-boned. God damn it! Bobby says loud enough to hear through the wall. His bedroom door flies open and all ten years and two hundred pounds of him barrels into the living room. His curly blonde hair smashed down by his cherry red headphones. Stop shooting! He yells into the mouthpiece. He slams the door closed, the bang loud enough to give someone a heart attack. Bobby! Sandra yells from upstairs. There's no way of knowing if Bobby heard her. He hurries past me without a word, jumps on the recliner all while grabbing the charger, the most graceful I've seen him. Hold on, he says to his online friends. I've got to plug in. Bobby! Sandra shrinks. He raises the headphone an inch from his ear. Without taking his eyes off the screen, he shouts, What? Sounding like he really wants to add, The hell do you want? Don't slam doors. His headphone slips back and tells his friend, It's nothing. Bobby pounds buttons, his eyes narrow. I'm back, motherfuckers, he says, keeping it low. Sandra would lose her shit if she knew how bad Bobby's language was. But I'd be a hypocrite to say anything. When I was Bobby's age, I cussed like crazy. And he's dealing with it ten times more than I ever had to. Three seconds of silence, then Bobby blurts out.
Did you see that? Oh my god, I nailed his ass! Buttons smash and he scrunches his face, dimpling those chubby cheeks. Stop shooting me! Hey, stop shooting! I said stop it! He's like this all day. Can you hear me? Don't make me kick you. Kick him. Do it. Kick him. Nonstop. My new white noise. The TV's off. My reflection, an unnecessary reminder of my pitiful existence. They'll turn it on when Sandra's parents get here, but there won't be any football, that's for sure. Now that I have no say. The TV's 77 inches. Biggest one I've ever owned. The price tag's at 3600 but I worked them down to 3200 A week and a half of work. It's kind of sad, but it isn't until you start running out of time that you notice how much you've sacrificed for everything. What you've given up for objects. The entertainment center had to be custom white oak because we couldn't risk a crappy Ikea piece falling over or anyone judging us for having it. Two more weeks spent at the office and client dinners ensuring I wasn't around for any of the framed photographs adorning the center. Another huge time suck was the walnut floorboards. Ten more days of work just to pay for it in here and the kitchen. The glass coffee table represents an overnight trip. The hairdryer upstairs makes me realize Bobby's being quiet. His mouthpiece pulled up. He's still watching his screen, but his hand is digging around in the side of the recliner. He brings out a full-sized snicker bar and tears it open, pushes the melting bar into his mouth. The bar is finished in seconds, and Bobby licks the inside of the wrapper before balling it up and sticking it in his pocket. Again, I can't say anything. I'm the one who hid the bars there and who made Sandra buy them. Thirty bucks a bag to get Bobby and me through the week. Barely a half hour of work. Bobby wipes his mouth with the back of his hand and puts the mouthpiece down. Those headphones were sixty bucks. And that's his fourth pair this year. The gaming platform cost two hundred, but the game was free. The skins, emotes, and all the other stupid shit that he pleaded for, adding on an easy hundred. About a day and a half of work so he can screw off his entire life looking at a screen. But if we calculate the cost per hour used, then we're talking pennies. Just like the TV, his gaming is priceless. At one point, we'd limited Bobby's screen time, but that was before everything changed. The gaming keeps him busy, if not quiet. No one else in this house can give him what he needs right now anyhow. Plus, at least he's interacting with real people, which is more than Mal does. The doorbell rings and there's a quick knock on the door. Bobby's back talking smack to his friends and I'm not getting up. The hairdryer turns off. Bobby! Sandra shouts. Get the door! I assume he can't hear her. Three seconds of silence and Sandra says, Malibu, answer the door! Mal stomps down the stairs, wearing all black with matching eyeliner. I'm assuming Sandra hasn't seen her yet because I haven't heard her bitching how it's not very holiday appropriate. What the hell? Mal mumbles at Bobby, who's off in his own little world. She switches her paper back into her left hand and opens the door. I can't see what she's reading. Probably something about vampires or zombies. It's been nothing but darkness for the last three weeks. 
Mal disappears for a second and comes back with a white package and an angry face. That's bullshit, Bobby says. No ganging up on me. Mal locks the front door and chucks the package at Bobby, knocking the game out of his hand. Bobby tears off his headphones and screams. What the hell? It's yours. Why'd you throw it? How about you take off your damned headphones and answer the door? How about you go screw yourself? Mal storms off toward the stairs. Bobby whips the package back at her, the corner smacking the top of my head. <gasps> Look what you did! Mal hurries over and combs down my wig. Sorry, Dad. Her face is red when she yells at Bobby. You're such a jerk! Bobby heads for his room, eyes on the game. My stupid-ass sister just got me killed, he says, slamming the door behind him. Bobby! Sorry, Mom, Mal says toward the stairs. I hope Sandra hasn't always yelled like that. She never did when I was around, but I wasn't around much. We'd agreed early on that the kids in the house would be her responsibilities, while I went out and made the money. If she has to yell to control them, I can't really argue. Mal pats the back of the wig down and tries to smile. I can see that she wants to, just like preschool, shy and afraid. She sits on the edge of the coffee table, barely 14 and becoming a beautiful young woman. So smart, but so full of pain. It's been three weeks since she's been this close. The first day I got back from the procedure, she gave me a small hug I couldn't feel. The next day she hugged from behind and whispered in my ear, I love you. The following day was when Sandra went through my computer, found some things I wish she hadn't. Mal flips her book back and forth, a flash of black and bones on the cover. She clears her throat and says, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sorry I didn't. I hate that she apologizes for everything, especially when it's not her fault. There's no reason for her to see my side of things. I've never really been there for her. We never talked about anything important. No nuggets of wisdom passed down. It's like I've always been this useless. Mal lowers her head, her bangs hiding the tears as they drop to the floor. Last time she cried in front of me was a few years ago out of embarrassment. Her friend Cindy asked if I was stuck on the couch. She'd never seen me anywhere else. She starts to pick up my hand but stops with her fingers on my wrist. She pulls away and heads for the stairs. I'm sorry. I've never cried in front of another person. And God knows I won't now. I'm suffocating with realizations and regret. But I won't cry. If I started, there'd be no stopping. All I do know is that this is the worst mistake I've ever made. I never wanted or expected this. This wasn't part of the deal. But then again, the deal was verbal, and not something I could sue over. Sandra's coming down the stairs in a beautiful blue dress hugging her hips. She trips on the last step but catches herself, her eyes never leaving her phone. She sets it down on the coffee table and turns on the TV, changes the channel to CNN. In a cold whisper, she says, There you go. My sense of smell is gone, but I suspect she's wearing perfume. More than she needs, to go with all the makeup. 
Sandra straightens out the recliner so it's angled just so, then heads into the kitchen, leaving me with the news. I don't get upset about it anymore. It's just another circus to steal our attention and time. The phone vibrates, a message bringing the screen to life. Even upside down, I can see it's Carl, her friend from the gym. Sandra must have sensed the buzz because she's back, phone in hand, smiling as her fingers fly. That smile is what won me over 25 years ago. It's what kept our marriage going. I think it was real, most of the time, but the way she's smiling now, she'll never do it me again. Even if she would listen. Even if I could get the words out. It wouldn't do me any good explaining Tiffany and I never had sex. They were just photos and words, but we never crossed that line. Sandra sets the phone down. Malibu, Bobby, it's almost three o'clock, Mal says. I'll be right there. Of course, there's nothing from Bobby. Sandra ignores it and retreats to the kitchen. Still clad in black, knowing it's going to cause problems, Mal comes down with her book. The doorbell rings. I know it's Sandra's parents, because if Helen Vanderhoff is nothing else, she is punctual. I got it, Mal says walking behind me. Well, look at you, Helen says, now trying to hide her disappointment and making me glad I can't see the door. Hi, Grandma, Mal says, keeping it pleasant. I'm in the kitchen, Sandra yells. Coming, <laughs> Helen says, followed by a humph of indignity as she passes by. Come here, sweetheart, Roy says. You just ignore her, he whispers. I sure do. <laughs> I love you, Grandpa. Double for me, he says. The door closes and Roy pats my shoulder. Almost didn't recognize you without a drink in your hand. I'll go grab us some whiskeys. Mal knocks on Bobby's door. Get out here! She sits on the love seat and disappears into her book. <gasps> oh my! Helen gasps from the kitchen. How long has it been in here? It's fine, Mom, Sandra says. I put it in at 2.10. At 3.50? It'll be dry, honey. Hey, Sandy, Roy says. You're looking good. Thanks, you too. Oh, don't go telling him that. He'll believe it and will keep eating ice cream until he ends up like you-know-who. Mom, why don't you go warm up the beans? <laughs> Not here two minutes and already with the drinking. Roy doesn't say anything loud enough for me to hear. He sets my whiskey on the coffee table, then takes his drink to the end of the couch. That's one of the things I've always liked about you, Bob, he says as he turns up the TV's volume, eyes on the screen. You never let me drink by myself. Bobby slips out of his bedroom and stands beside the entertainment center. Without his game gear, he looks so much younger and less confident. Hey, Grandpa, he says with a small wave. Roy doesn't respond, too busy mumbling about the news. Bobby pulls his phone out of his back pocket and sits beside Mal, who's focused on her book. It's been three weeks, Helen says loud enough for everyone to hear. How much longer are you going to put up with this? Quiet down, Sandra says. You'll be out by Christmas. 
Roy turns up the TV. Bobby says, wow, that's kind of loud. He's right, but it's no match for Helen saying, well, it's disgusting. Not today, Mom. Not one to stop a conversation before she's ready, Helen says, well, it's just not right. It's not natural. Roy pauses the channel. Ladies, I think that's enough. Don't pretend it doesn't bother you. Roy brings a drink down on the armrest, splashes whiskey on the couch. It's none of your damned business. Why couldn't he just be cremated or buried like normal people? That question plays on a loop every moment of every day. So much worse to consider every day since the discovery of Tiffany's emails. Yeah, he could have been a diamond, Bobby says. Mal shakes her head and moves to the spot to my right. Roy says, Or a tree. That's what I'm going to do. No, you're not, Helen barks from the kitchen entrance. We have our plots. Jesus, Helen, Roy says. Will you ever stop? Helen acts like she's never heard this before, even though we've all heard it plenty. I'm sorry, but this isn't okay, Helen. This isn't okay, Helen says, pointing right at me. He shouldn't be here. He wanted to be here, Mal shouts, the loudest I've ever heard her. It was in his will. Mal's right about it being in my will, but I sealed the deal without telling any of them. Doc had only given me a 3% chance of making it through the month, and the taxidermist gave me a big break on the price. I could have gotten the procedure for free if I'd been healthy, but like the guy said, my heart and liver were useless. There was no way any of us could have known this would happen. That my soul would somehow stick to my body. I didn't even believe we have a soul. But how the fuck am I seeing, hearing, and thinking if my brain's been removed? That doesn't mean it's still not gross, Bobby says. Shut up, Bobby. Mal gets up in front of him and says, and turn off that goddamn game. You're not my boss. Kids, Sandra screams. Stop it. Mal snatches his phone and throws it across the room where it slams off the wall. Bobby pushes Mal's shoulders so hard her head snaps back and she trips on the coffee table. I'm afraid she's going to plunge right through the glass. But she manages to throw her body toward the couch. She's headed right for me and braces for the fall. I don't feel a thing as her hand punches through my stomach and fluid sac, deep into my stuffing, her elbow right where my belly button had been. Mal shrieks, ripping her arm out of me, the Build-A-Bear-like stuffing clinging to her forearm. I tip to the side, my head landing where Roy had been sitting, my insides oozing out. Roy's on his feet, trying to grab Mal. He shouts at Bobby, Look what you did! Bobby's face flashes red. She started it! He runs to his room and slams the door. Mal's hysterical, clawing at her arm. <laughs> Get it off! Sandra hurries over and wraps Mal in a hug. It'll come right off, Sandra says, taking her upstairs. I'll help you. Helen gasps, then falls beside the recliner. She clutches her blouse and says, My heart! Roy drops to his knees next to Helen. He cries out, 
Call 911. Mel's screaming upstairs. Sandra shushing her. Roy shouts for help. But no one answers him. There's only silence as I look down on my body. Roy hugging Helen on the floor. It feels like I'm floating. My vision growing dim. A final thought that there's always something to be thankful for.